You're listening to the Yoga Teacher Resource Podcast. Knowledge, techniques, and inspiration for your teaching and your practice. I'm your host, Mado Hesselink. If you're a yoga teacher who loves learning, is passionate about spreading the benefits of yoga, and desires more resources to support your teaching, you're in the right place. Let's get started with today's episode. I think it's happened to pretty much every yoga teacher at least once. You plan and you promote a workshop that you're super excited about, only to feel defeated and deflated when not enough people sign up to justify the time and energy and the expense of hosting it. Within the yoga world, there's this idea that if even one person shows up and is positively impacted by our work, then it was worth our while. And that's sometimes a really useful idea to help remove our ego from the numbers and from our ability to be of service. However, for most yoga teachers, it just isn't sustainable to offer our time and energy over and over at a financial loss. We pour our heart and our soul into planning workshops, and then we get vulnerable to promote them. We often do show up to teach no matter how many people are signed up. But what ends up happening is a lot of yoga teachers give up on teaching workshops because of this phenomenon. But the thing is that yoga workshops have the potential to really help our students, and they're also very fulfilling to teach. So In this episode, I'm going to share some techniques for removing some of the risk that yoga teachers take when they offer workshops, specifically around attendance. By the end of this episode, you'll understand some basic and very doable strategies to help you offer yoga workshops on a regular basis without being afraid of low attendance. The first step that most of us take when offering a workshop is choosing our topic and title. And this is where you want to start in improving your chances for a full class. It's essential that the name of your workshop and the topic reflect the desires, interests, and understanding of your students. Just because you think something's interesting doesn't mean that your students will agree. And even if you do come up with something that you know would be super beneficial for them, If you don't know how to communicate the benefit to them of investing their time and money in this workshop, then you're going to struggle to fill it up. So what this speaks to is that you really need to understand your students. You have to know what their level of understanding of the topic is right now and also what language they would use and that they would understand. One of the best ways to come up with a topic for a workshop is actually to pay attention to the most frequent questions you get in class, before class, and after class, or any time from your students. What are the things that they're asking you about over and over? That's a good sign that it's something that they're thinking about, something that they care about. For example, a lot of students struggle with downward-facing dog, and They worry that they're not doing it right because it doesn't feel good to them. And perhaps they've heard their teacher say something like, oh, this should be a resting pose. And they're like, oh, this does not feel like a resting pose to me. Something must be wrong here. So back when I was teaching public classes, 
I would get a lot of questions about downward facing dog. And if you get a lot of questions about down dog or any other pose, that's a good sign that it would be a successful workshop topic. Or maybe your students are always asking you about the breath, about breathing. That's a good sign that they're interested in that, that they're thinking about it. But it's also possible that your students don't ask a lot of questions, that they, that's not their style. Or maybe they do ask questions, but you can't really see a lot of patterns in the questions that are being asked. If that's the case, I recommend interviewing some of your students. Last week, I did a whole episode about how and why you might want to interview some of your students. So if you haven't listened to that episode yet, you might want to put that on your list for the next one to listen to. But the basic idea in relationship to today's episode is understand your students. Sometimes we, as yoga teachers, get so involved in our own relationship to yoga and the things that we're excited about, which we should definitely do, that we forget that when we're in front of the class, we're there in service to the people who show up. So it's worthwhile to get to know those people and to take some time to figure out what really drives and motivates them so that you can support them in the ways that their motivation and desires are compatible with your skill set and with the practices and the goals of yoga. Once you've chosen a topic, you need to translate that topic into a title. And your title should succinctly represent the topic for your workshop in words that your students can easily understand. Not to put too much pressure on your title, but it is super, super important. However, it can also be really challenging and it's easy to get stuck on the title. So don't get stuck there if it doesn't come to you easily. Coming up with titles for classes and workshops will get easier over time if you practice. If you come up with a lot of titles, then you'll start coming up with them more quickly and with less stress and drama. So the most important thing about your workshop title is that it is clear immediately to your students what your workshop is about and why it's for them. I would say definitely go for clarity over cleverness when you have to make that decision. And you can combine the two by also using a subtitle. So sometimes your title will be more clever, more punchy, more intriguing, and then your subtitle will be super, super clear. For example, I have an online course called Workshops That Wow. That's the title. And the subtitle is a step-by-step system to help you plan, promote, and produce your first filled-up yoga workshop. So that makes it super clear what the course is going to deliver. And this is actually the formula that I use for all of my workshops, all of my courses, and my events. I try to think of a short, catchy title and a clear, and it's fine if it's a boring subtitle. Once you've chosen your topic and your title for your workshop, you've already come a long way to reduce your risk of low attendance at the workshop. If your title is interesting to your students, it speaks to their needs or their desires, and it's easily understandable to them, they're much more likely to sign up. Now it's time to make sure that your message about the workshop is seen by the right people. 
What do I mean by the right people? I mean people who are interested in the topic, available during the time of your workshop, and have the means to pay your fee. The strategies to do this are going to vary a ton based on so many factors, including your location, your level of experience and prominence and connectedness in your community, the topic, the people you're trying to target. So my ability to give really specific advice here is kind of squishy. What I will say is that people need multiple reminders to sign up for things, and they need to hear details multiple times in multiple ways, and you need to make it as easy as possible for them to say yes. We live in a time of information overload and lots of options. So our message needs to be clear, relevant, repeated, and easy to implement. Since you've done the work to understand your students, put yourself in their shoes and imagine yourself scrolling social media and maybe your, their kid is asking them something from one level and they've got their phone dinging at them. They catch sight of your notification about your workshop and part of their brain goes, ooh, I'm interested in that. And then all of a sudden, their kid becomes more demanding, or maybe their partner comes in and asks them something else really important, and all of a sudden, they haven't had the chance to sign up. How can you make it easier for that person to say yes? How can you provide reminders at the right moment when they do have the bandwidth to sign up and make signing up as easy and seamless as possible? Depending on if you are partnering with a yoga studio, then you may have more or less control over some of this. And it can be tempting to just put all the responsibility for marketing onto the studio. The thing is that most studios are promoting multiple things at the same time. And it's unlikely that they're going to give your specific workshop as much bandwidth as it needs to really thrive. So depending on your relationship with the studio and how they're set up, you might set up a meeting with their marketing person and either ask them how you can support the marketing for the workshop or provide some ideas for ways that you can work together. And plan to do your own marketing for the workshop. Even if the studio is promising to help with the marketing, think of that as extra and market your workshop as though you were the only one marketing it. For your own marketing, think of all the different ways that you could reach people. This could include your email list, social media, announcements in class, flyers, print ads, word of mouth or partnerships with other teachers or other businesses, reaching out individually to people, and probably more than that that I'm not thinking of off the top of my head. The more creative you can get, the more outside of the box you can think, the more avenues you'll have to reach people. If you're teaching a workshop in person, you want about a month to promote. And if you're teaching online, 10 to 14 days is about the right amount of time. People do tend to ignore things, especially online if they're too far in the future. So you don't want to saturate people and not give them a sense of urgency to look at their schedule and make sure that to clear off the time. But you also want to give them enough notice. So it's a bit of a delicate balance there. 
whatever channels you use, my rule of thumb is a minimum of four times that you want to reach out through each channel a minimum of four times. The bare minimum promotional content would include an announcement, who this is for and why you should sign up, which is a chance to debunk some myths and overcome some objections, and then a last chance to sign up. That final one is super important because a lot of times people need some urgency to motivate them to actually take action, even if it's something they already want to do. So I was working with a client of mine, and it turns out that when she was offering workshops, she was only sending out one email to her list. And her thinking was, well, if they're interested, then they know about it and they can sign up. But the truth is that there's so many things I'm interested in that I never end up taking action on. And as the provider of the service, I want to make it easy. I want to motivate people who are interested to get the benefit of this work. So I told my client, send out at least one more email. Send out an email the last day that registration's open and tell them that they have one more chance to join. And she came back to me and she was like, I got like 13 extra people that day. (laughs) Urgency works. A lot of us need it in order to help us follow through on the things that we already know we want to do. Another way that you can tap into this magic of having a deadline is to offer an early bird discount or bonus. A bonus works best if you can think of something that would be really valuable to your participants. Like, for example, if you're doing a workshop that includes myofascial release, then you might want to offer a set of therapy balls so that they can practice on themselves after the workshop. A discount works better if you can't think of a bonus that would be really appealing. And it especially works better if your price point is a little bit on the higher side. If you can't think of a bonus and you feel like offering a discount would undercut your ability to be profitable, that is a strong indication that it's time to raise your prices. The beauty of an early bird deadline is that You're doubling your period of urgency where people are going to be most likely and most motivated to sign up. A lot of people wait until the very last minute to sign up for things. Sometimes it's because they are wondering if something's going to derail them and they don't want to spend the money if they're not going to be able to make it. Sometimes it's just that they wonder if something more interesting is going to come along. The early bird deadline inspires people who are already interested to go ahead and commit. And this just makes it less likely that those people are going to get distracted and forget to sign up. Now, the early bird deadline goes really well along with a minimum number of participants. Because you've given them a period of urgency, you can get a bit of a surge of signups and get a better understanding of how many people are actually interested in your workshop. This is going to help you better predict how many people are going to show up the day of. And it can help prevent some of the anxiety that often arises the last week or few days before an event like this, where you're not sure if it's going to go or not. 
So here's my strategy for choosing a minimum number of participants. Imagine the day of the workshop and you walk into the room and there's just one person sitting there. How would you feel? Then take yourself through this scenario with different numbers. Three, six, 10, 15, checking in with how you feel based on each scenario. Now, if walking into a workshop that you planned and promoted with all your heart and there's one person sitting there and you truly would feel your heart lifting and expanding and be so excited to be there, then you don't need a minimum. But most of us, just the amount of time and effort and energy that we put into it, it's not sustainable for us to do that for one person. And we know that. Our gut knows that. See if you can find the place where you move from being bummed to being peaceful and happy about teaching the workshop. Let's say six people feels like a bummer, but 10 people feels great. Then try to imagine seven, eight, and nine and see if you can really identify the exact spot where you feel the biggest shift. That's your minimum. Now, I think most of us have shown up to teach classes or workshops that had fewer people than we were hoping for. And yet at the end of the workshop, we still felt full and happy that we did it. So I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with teaching a workshop with less students than you were hoping for. And the truth is you can choose to change your mind later for whatever reason. Let's say you've decided on eight as your minimum and you get to your early bird deadline and you have six signed up. Well, chances are that you're still going to get two more, right? That's actually a really good place to be at your early bird deadline. So it's not like you have to meet your minimum by your early bird, but that's the point where you're going to decide whether or not to cancel. Let's say instead of six people signed up by the early bird deadline, you only have two. Well, at that point, your chances of getting up to that minimum of eight are pretty low. And most people, I think, would cancel at that point. Whether or not you end up sticking to your minimum strictly or just using it as a very general benchmark, I think it's really useful to know how many people would make you feel really good about showing up. And then give yourself the freedom to cancel. If you get to your deadline and it doesn't feel like it, there's enough energy and momentum around it. If it's iffy and on the edge, I would do a similar thought experiment. Imagine canceling and how you would feel and imagine not canceling and having the exact number of people that are already signed up in the room and compare how those two things feel and let that guide your decision about whether or not to cancel. I think a lot of times we over-intellectualize our decisions and that's what puts us into this place of anxiety and indecision. But if we tap into how do each of these scenarios make me feel, there's a lot more clarity. So those are the main strategies I use personally to ensure that all the workshops I actually run have healthy attendance, that I feel really good about showing up for them, that I'm getting compensated in a way that's sustainable. To recap, first, choose a topic that your students are interested in and meets them where they are. Choose a title that's really clear and easy for your students to understand. 
make it easy for them to sign up by having multiple reminders and also a clear, simple sign-up process whenever possible. And finally, choose your minimum number of participants and also a deadline where you've offered people an incentive to sign up by that deadline. I hope these strategies help you to feel excited and confident to dive into teaching workshops or back into teaching workshops because they really are such a rewarding way to engage with your students. If you feel like you want more guidance on planning, promoting, and producing yoga workshops, then check out the online course that I mentioned earlier in this episode, Workshops That Wow. You can find out all the details and sign up at teachingyoga.net slash wow. That's W-O-W. As always, thank you so much for listening, and thank you for caring enough to teach yoga.